Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Come on, do it. Come on, do it. I'll follow in. Hey, Church Planner. This is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones for a very special Church Planter podcast. And you're listening to Love Lines on the Church Planter podcast. (laughs) Pete, I love you. Oh, do we have to go there? Did we have? I cannot tell you. How many I love yous I started getting in my uh, my Voxer group from uh, from all the church planners that I train on how to be a consultant because of last week's episode where I said I'm really uncomfortable when Tyrone says I love you to me. Yeah. And it was just like nonstop. Yeah, my Voxer app was going nuts. And all of a sudden I get this text from Tyrone that says, quick, tell Pete you love him right now. Send him a text. So I did. <laughs> so uncomfortable. So awkward. Oh man, what was that? Uh, what was that quote that Travis Sinks came up with? It was I, I think I voiced in and was like, "Man, that's one of the funniest quotes I've ever heard." Something about you. I don't. I don't remember. I um, I did download a whole bunch. Oh, because we said we we're going to put them in the soundboard, right? So we could play the sound effects. I did download them, but I forgot to stick them in the uh, the soundboard. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, dude! There was one that was just so stinking funny. I think Dan uh, Dan Sam's had a classic one. That might have been the one. Yeah, might have been Dan. Yeah, he he's a little bit he's a little bit more edgy than Travis. You know, I'm just gonna throw that out there. I think he even has a tattoo, Pete. Does he? And he plays guitar. I, I know he wears the uh, the the skinny suit because that came up in a conversation. The skinny suit. What's you know, a skinny suit? You know how they got like skinny jeans? Yeah, they got like a skinny suit, like it's form fitting, and you know. It's a- <laughs> I don't know. I don't wear that. Could you imagine me? I'm a wearing skinny, a skinny suit. Like, so 
Is this like what hipsters wear for suits? I pretty much think so. Yeah. Wow. I mean, if you were to look at Dan, you would say, all right, he's a hipster. He's got the soul patch. He's, you know. I don't know, though. I kind of see Dan as more like a a uh, kind of like a cowboy rock and roll hillbilly electric <laughs> tattooed blues man. <laughs> I love it. Hey, before the, we the get best into comparison, I can put to Dan Sam's would be like Hank Williams, the third. Know what I'm saying? He's, he's a little bit rockabilly, a little bit cowboy, a little bit. I'm going to take your blues. word for that. I'm not a Hank Williams kind of guy. Yeah. The only thing Man, I know about so, Hank Williams is Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> That's the only thing I know about Hank Williams. Oh, really? What, what, what involved me? You mean like senior? Like the great one? I, or do you mean I, like junior? You, how would I know? Oh. How, I don't know. I just know that the guy is like really excited when he gets a Hank Williams album in the, the prison library. Oh, that's got to be Hank Williams one. And yeah, the great he's one. Like, he's like singing along with the him. The Hank Williams. I guess. Not Bo Cephas. But I like, know. you know. Hey, before yeah, I mean, we get any further, wh- why don't you tell everyone what our uh, topic is today, so that way they can decide if they want to hang around. Well, we are going to talk today about the uh, very lonely road of church planning and the sanctification that happens in the church planter uh, himself or herself. So in other Hi, words, church planter. this is going to be an episode that they can skip. Gotcha. All right. That they can skip. This is going to be like, man, like the lifeline. This is going to be the one they they come back to again and again, Pete. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure. Want to emphasize it in Britain? You say you don't say again. You say again. I I, I think uh, I, I don't think this is going to reach the trans in the can level. I'm just saying. I'm throw I don't know, there. man. Because here's the deal. R- remember that uh, when is it time to quit? Hit number and, and was kind of the reigning champion for a long time. Yeah, but you know what? It's not even in the top ten now. Oh yeah, of course. Well, I mean, because we've gotten so much better. It's probably that thing's buried. It's probably because you know, people have already quit. <laughs> They're like, "Ask it." <laughs> yeah, Peyton and Pete said I should quit a long time ago. I'm out of here. I don't need this podcasting anymore. I'm just saying. I remember writing a blog once. Anytime you write a blog that talks about how tough it is, how lonely it is, uh, you know, how much people want to quit, it it resonates. Like I, I just did an interview with a guy. Um, you feel my for the pain. magazine. What's that? You feel my pain. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, he did. It, it's going to be great. It's going to be in the magazine. We could use it for hardcore, but um i did an interview with uh jr briggs which are, is alan are, briggs are we still brother. doing the magazine because last i heard we lost barry <laughs> without barry i mean he's kind of <laughs> like the linchpin to the magazine uh, we still got barry did you bring him back in did you wheel him back in well it, 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 that's a talk we have to have <laughs> barry asked for one million dollars <laughs> pinky pinky to the mouth <laughs> And uh, no, but, but Barry is uh, everybody. Barry's getting married. I wish we had like the Muppet show, you know, Yay! you know, we've been trying to marry that guy off for a very long time. Please find some young woman to take care of that boy. And uh, that's finally happened. Ruben's sister. Those of you that know that listen, uh, the, the only problem is if Barry gets anything wrong in marrying Melissa, he'll be dead. I got a bad feeling about this. I'm just saying. Yeah, he's our most dangerous church planner. You do not want to mess with Ruben. 
So anyways, hey man, let, let's get into some smack talk. New trailer? The new trailer for uh, Rogue One. What did you think? I thought it was incredible. So did I. And I, I thought it was really interesting because I was reading an article about the new trailer uh, either last night or this morning. And they're saying that it almost looks like a new movie because they had to go back and reshoot a bunch. And I didn't know anything about this. Like, I guess apparently they weren't happy with it. So tell me, I figured you would, of all people. <laughs> tell me what's the scuttlebutt on the, the reshooting. Yeah, so just to uh, just to kind of help my my brothers out, since you listen to this podcast, I'll give you I'll give you a, a, a great resource for keeping up on all things stupid. It's called Geeks of Doom. You go to geeksofdoom.com, you get their newsletter, and they're pretty much the cutting edge of all this stupid stuff. So I get an email that I waste time with every single morning, usually when I'm going to the bathroom, and uh, which you know I, I won't say any more about that, but um, that's a great resource and. <laughs> I got a I'm bad just feeling you. about this. Yes, and uh, anyways, so they, they, they basically, I, they they don't give you a lot of details, but basically, um, they've been worried about this one because let's be honest, right? Like you think a Star Wars film, and you think, oh, you you couldn't get a Star Wars film wrong, right? Like, you know, come on, prequels, prequels yeah. So they were worried. That it was going the way of the prequels, that it was just stupid, campy, um, stupid lines, stupid dialogue, um, o- over dramatic, and so they they started retooling it. Why didn't they think about that before they greenlit the script? How in the heck do I know? What do I look like, George Lucas, to you or something? Don't make me destroy you. So uh, yeah, man, I don't know. You know, but it's, uh, I just figured like when I saw, yeah, when I saw this trailer, I was like, oh, cool. So there's more backstory. Well, that's cool. It man's in it. I don't know who that is. You never seen it man. I don't. IP man. Kung Fu. The guy who trained Bruce Lee. There's a series of movies called Ip Man. Yeah. And now, I'd I've feel never stupid if they were IP Man. I, but. Which is why I won't watch him. It looked like Ip Man and I'm not, I'm like, whatever. Yeah, no, It Man, dude, you gotta watch It Man. If you guys haven't seen It Man, you're just, you're just, just go rethink your life. <laughs> you're not meant to be a ninja planner. That's all I'm saying. Get to the church, blind. Get to the church, blind. Go now. They're too busy church so, planning to watch. Yeah, Ip Man. so he's the guy that plays Bruce Lee Sensei. They do a story about this guy, and uh, he play. Anyways, he's in it. And obviously, he's going to be doing Jedi karate. Well, okay, that's fine. Whatever, that's cool. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, here's the thing: is I obviously was going to go see it night it's released. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So I didn't know anything about this whole scuttlebutt on redoing it, and I was like, whatever. Just looks like a more complete trailer. I just figured they were giving us a whole other aspect. Yeah, and the chick in the lead seems really cool too. I just, I just think she kind of has that kind of, you know, it's called rogue, and uh, she has that kind of roguey feel, that kind of underdog. It's got a real underdog feel. It's got kind of almost like I would rebellion. say a Guardians of the Galaxy feel to it. This is a rebellion, isn't it? I rebel. That's great, great lines, right? You are rebels, aren't you? I, I thought that was good. I, that's I was like, I don't fantastic. understand why everyone's upset about that. I'm like, all right, that's cool. I'm down. Yeah. Yeah, it should be good. So, uh, yeah, other than us just saying how good we think it'll be, 
Um, <laughs> maybe we should move on. Hey, let's talk the election politics. Mm. But before we do that, Pete, I want to ask you a question. Please, please do. I, I'd like you know, for you to ask me a question. Obviously, there's been a lot of concern about the Clinton Foundation and, you know, gathering of funds and where they're coming from. And of course, every church planner has this same concern on a micro level. I would say really, um, you know, they, they're worried that all they'll have available to them is PayPal is a cheap and easy giving source. What are your thoughts on that, Pete? My thoughts are if uh, the Clinton Foundation and also the Trump Foundation had been using MoGiv, uh, they would not be in the hot water that they're in today. <laughs> You know, Pete, that's that's probably true. That might have even saved the election. I bet if Donald Trump had used Mogiv and Hillary Clump, uh, Clinton had had followed suit, it might have even changed their character. It could have. They might have been better people. So, have you ever used Mogiv yourself? Oh, Pete, I'm telling you, it it's it's like it's the cheap and online giving source for people that want to be holy. What? Oh, yeah, dog. Oh, is the soundboard not working? <laughs> Sorry. I just, <laughs> no, I was just like, I was feeling it. <laughs> oh, it's great. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so remember, gonna, everybody, so this cancel. year at the election, <laughs> vote MoGive. That's M-O-G-I-V. M-O-G-I-V. No E. Dot com. Dot com. I love it, man. I love it. Mo give for president, baby. It's all I'm saying. So uh, what are your thoughts about this current election that we're in? <clears throat> Here's my prediction. I have a prediction. I've never been more confident about any candidate in all my life. I predict Just joking. that a crook is going to win. <laughs> and I think I'm pretty much safe right there. Yeah, man. I mean, somebody who deserves to be in jail is going to win. That's 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 what I'm going to say right there. Kind of doesn't matter who you want to go with. They both deserve to yeah. be in jail. They do. You, you, absolutely. They both deserve to be in jail. And here, here's the thing. If 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 everything that the other one says about him is true and it appears to be. But, you know, what that what the heck do I know? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's dumb and dumber. I mean, it's, it's just, it, you know, it goes back to what Lloyd Jones used to say. Um, I, I love Lloyd Jones where he says, you know, reading, reading the newspapers and about politics and reading the Bible, you know, world history, everything. I remember he, he summed it up in a statement where he said, it demonstrates man's inability to govern himself and proves that man needs a master. Well, we just can't govern ourselves. We we had uh, Coleman Luck on the show like near the beginning. It was either this one or Hardcore Church Planning. I don't remember which one. And he had a great line. I don't remember if it was on the interview or I read it in one of his books or what it was. But he said, uh, I believe God's not going to come back until every form of government man can conceive of has been tried and proven to fail. Mm. And... So, I mean, I when I read that or heard him say it, I don't remember which one it was. I was like, that's a really good point. Because right now, you know, in our arrogance, we look at our constitutional republic and we go, oh, we got the greatest form of government in the world. And yeah. we do, in the world. And we're also seeing it crumble <laughs> before our very eyes. We have yeah. got financial problems like you can't believe. Um, 
financially, I mean, in my lifetime, our dollar will be devalued. There's just no way we can keep going at the level we're going at. Right. It's, it's going to happen. No one believes it at this point. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but it, it's, it has to happen. Or, or we're going to get wiped out by another country. You know, China's yeah. finally going to be done with this. I mean, we are like literally inching towards war with Russia, which is insane. I mean, did you read this week that the U.S. pilots have been given the green light to shoot down Russian aggressor planes? Yeah. I mean, oh, my gosh. It, the first one that gets shot down, that's it. It's on. We're going to yeah. war. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's really crazy. I just, uh, I don't know, man. I, um, you know, I think back to the, to the fact that God is sovereign. I mean, you know, right now, the, and this is something to keep in mind. Both sides are dooming and glooming because the, I've never seen two candidates more desperate. They're like, never before has so much been at stake. You know, um, look, we don't have a dictatorship. We have a balance of power. And I, I, I think our government, it it was, you know, our founding fathers formed it the best they could. They're reacting, but we got to keep in mind things like Britain has reformed as well. Their government, um, other governments have good stuff going for them. They didn't stay where they were. We talk sometimes like, you know, uh, Britain is still a, a big tyranny. Um, I, I'm not sure that we have the best system. Um, on the planet right now. What? Um, I think democracy is Mama the best. Mia, that's a spicy meatball. Jeez, I gotta take a leak so bad I can taste it. I'm sorry, you just said we don't have the best government in the world, and I just had to hit well, you. I'm not saying we have the best system. I think there's things we can learn from other governments too. Um, I don't think we have the monopoly. I don't think you understand. But- no, I think they need to learn everything from us. We are the example <laughs> to the world, <laughs> and we've pretty much we've got this thing sewn up. Yeah. America. <laughs> yeah, you gotta say, I love that. I just love the whole America. <laughs> you don't even have the A on it. It's just America. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, uh, both sides are so desperate that they're dooming and glooming. And they're basically just, this is going to be, you know, and, and we got to remember that, hey, you know, God is sovereign. He's on the throne. I mean, I, I just love how everyone takes it back to, to Isaiah, where Isaiah is like, this is a terrible ruler. Nero was a terrible ruler. I mean, when you when you start getting, you know, people impaled on spikes on Pennsylvania Avenue, you know, to light up the 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 lawns around the White House, and uh, when uh, whoever the next president rides around in a chariot, actually, I could see both of them doing this <laughs> naked, screaming at the top of their lungs at God. Then you know you got a bad ruler, and that's what the kind of stuff that Nero used to do. He would use people as human torches and scream like a maniac as he rode his chariot around the courtyard. So you know, I mean, it could happen, but uh, we've we've had far worse rulers, and the scripture just goes, "Hey, God's on the throne, man. You know, ain't the real rulers." Yeah. Yeah, I tell you, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting road ahead. I would just like to encourage everyone to stock up on the three Gs, as I've been saying for about a decade now. Uh, what, what Gs are these now? Guns, gold, and Guinness. If you've got those three things stocked away, you're pretty much safe. <laughs> so gasoline, nope. you guys don't need it. 
Hey, look, if you've got the, the road Guinness, warrior, man, this is real life. If you got the Guinness, you got everything you need. You're not going to want to go anywhere. It's cave time. It's cave time. So uh, to vote or not to vote has kind of been the, the the headlines that everybody's been talking about. Of course, you got the Republicans saying, you know, he's he's perverted and dirty now. You can't support him. Then you got the the guy saying, oh, it's all fabrication and, a, and an evil communist plot from the leftist. And then you got um, then you got people, Christians stepping out and saying stuff like, hey, you know, uh, I can't in good conscience support this guy. Um, because he is a victimizer of women. Then you got Christians saying, I can't with good conscience vote for either one. Um, so then you got other people saying, well, that's irresponsible because democracy is a gift and the power to vote is a right and a privilege, and it's irresponsible not to vote for anyone. Where do you fall on all this, Pete? Well, I'm a voter, um, but I also don't believe in wasting my vote. So I do a write-in vote. Instead of wasting mm-hmm. it on one of the two idiots running, um, I, I, that, to me, that's an absolute waste. If you, if you voted for <laughs> Trump or Clinton and were okay with it, like if you're okay with them, like you don't have a problem with um, him sexually assaulting women, which, by the way, I think if he had done any of that stuff to your wife or to your sister yeah. or to your daughter, um, I'd knife the dude in the heart. Like, well, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Um, you, guys don't talk like that about women if they don't have a problem. I mean, I listened to the recording. Um, Did you? I didn't. I I, I have never, since I've been a Christian, ever said those things about women. And 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 I got to be honest. Like, this isn't. I, I'm not trying to be a Pharisee. I'm just saying when dudes, when you hear a dude that kind of stuff coming out of his mouth. Okay, this guy has a major problem with perversion. He, he just out of the out of the overflow of the of the mouth, the heart speaks. Yep. You know, or, or, sorry, I got that backwards. <laughs> the Bible. Um, the, you, you know, can't, the, you can't do Bible like America. You can't go <laughs> Bible. <laughs> it doesn't work. Out of the overflow of the heart and mouth speak, America. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Did I say it right that time? I, I think know. so. Now I'm all twisted around. I know what it is. So I don't know. Just, just everybody. Just America. <laughs> so. You got to give it the twang. You got to give it the twang. America. There you go. I betray my own when I do that. You, you know my family southern. I know. Sucks, I know you're right? in the middle of a thought, but I just have to say this: all week long, I could not stop laughing at. I'm a shark. I'm a bear. I'm a lion. <laughs> and then Peyton, I'm a sea turtle. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him about the picture you sent me. That was the best. <laughs> I don't even remember. Pete sends me a little picture. Uh, I guess on iPhone now you can do these little attach your head. What is that called? This called well, that's um, the jib jab app. Jib jab. Sends me a little jib jab of someone holding between their thumb and forefinger a uh, a little baby sea turtle and it's Pete's head floating around and, and it, it says, says Peyton I'm a sea turtle <laughs> <laughs> I think someone Brandon Brooks if you're out there we need a comic man we need a comic about you know Shark Boy and baby sea turtle with our heads I on. think he quit listening a long time ago he wised up and was like I'm out. Actually, I, 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 you can't say that. I hooked up with him. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> I had barbecue with him in Nashville. 
uh, less than a year ago. Speaking of which, ago. when everyone listens to this, I will be traveling to Nashville. Yeah, he he actually. You going to Nashville? I am. I am. I'm that is on. one of my favorite cities on the planet. I'm going there on Monday. I get in at about ten o'clock at night. I speak the next morning, and I go right back to the airport and fly back. So I don't even get to enjoy Nashville. But only because my dark master Ed Stetzer lived there once. I'm just teasing. He's not my dark master. But that is Lifeway headquarters, Nashville. Like everything's there, including the Batman building and uh, the R2D2 building. Nice. You got to just think of me for a second. When we go to Batman, when we go to see the Batman building, I'm just going to stand in front of it and go, America. Then it's also right down the road from the Grand Old Opry where Hank Williams himself used to play. Nice. Nice. I didn't know he was an opera singer. Well, it's called the Grand Old Opry. Now, here's a true story, everybody. True story. So, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, there was a, um, a church that started where the Grand Old Opry was. There was a guy who was a drunken ship's captain, and he ran a riverboat, uh, with prostitution, all that kind of stuff. Anyways, he got radically saved one day, poured his fortune on planting a church, starting up. He wasn't the preacher. But he said, look, all these rough guys down by the docks, by the river, they need Jesus. So they started this church. Anyways, the church went well for a while, then started to wind down a bit. Then over time, what happened was they said, hey, let's uh, let's get abandoned here on a Sunday night and see if we can, you know, get people through the door or whatever. They did. Worked out pretty well. That became the Grand Old Opry, a Sunday night outreach became the biggest country music venue on the planet. By the time Hank Williams uh, rolled around, that was like the Mecca. If you could get there, that was like Lollapalooza. You had reached the ultimate. Nice. And, uh, but because it was uh, out of a church and had religious roots, and of course it was in the Bible Belt, um, Hank Williams sang a famous song called There's a Tear in My Beer. No, he didn't sing that. I made that up. There is a song called Tear in My Beer, but he's saying, um, oh, what is it? Uh, uh, my bucket's got a hole in it. You know that song? Because my bucket's got a hole in it. You know that one? No. Well, he says that three times. And then, wait, wait, and wait, then wait, the, wait. The, Does he then break out and say, I got the power? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that song was a total ripoff of Hank Williams. Yeah, I thought so. But yeah, you can you can hear it. But what happened was Hank Williams, he, uh, so it says my bucket's got a hole in it, repeats it two, two more times. And then he goes, I can't buy no beer. And then, uh, when he played in the grand old Opry, they asked him what his set list was. And he, he's, he said, Oh, bucket, bucket's got a hole in it. It's one of my hit songs. They said, you can't sing that, um, because it has the word beer in it and it's really offensive. So you have to change that. So it's, it's one of the great, um, moments in in rock history where he sang the song but every time he got to the point i can't buy no and then he goes milk (laughs) (laughs) that is hilarious and that's why i like hank williams ladies and gentlemen that is really really funny i'd never heard that story before yeah, he also has spina bifida, which is no what my kidding. daughter has. So that endears me to him as well. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. That's crazy. We yeah. should probably actually get onto our topic because, um, wow, yeah, we're twenty five minutes in. 
What? Dude, that's short. Come on, audience. Help me out here. You know that short, right? So so Matt Fretwell, famous uh, 40 minutes in and then five minutes to the topic. So let's talk about the topic. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Wow. I was like going back to the future hearing him. It really was. What was this week's topic again? I think I, I said it was one that's going to put us to sleep, right? Maybe. Why? Why do you think that? <laughs> well, Pete, just sit right back in your hear a tale, a tale of an old church plant. Um, Gilligan. America. America, the skipper to Hillary and her Trump. Oh, anyway, back to your po- back to your political oh. thing. I'm doing a write-in vote. Oh. I've heard some people that, are going to write hey, in. We're, we're in the topic now. I know, no, I know like, but we always we always do this. I heard <laughs> I've heard some people who are going to like write in. It's make, like a Mogive commercial. <laughs> you bringing them back up? <laughs> I'm going to have to charge them extra now. No, so uh, I've heard some people are, are saying that they're uh, voting for Mike Pence. They're writing them in, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. You know what? Like that dude seems. I don't even I don't, know. Like who's I don't Hillary's wa- running mate. I have not watched any of them because I can't stand any of them. You know, I haven't watched a debate since, like, I don't remember what year it was uh, that Dole ran. I think I I, Dole. I, I, wow. I watched that. He was against Clinton first time. Yeah, I, I watched no. it way was back then. Second time, I think. Second time, it? yeah, because it was George yeah. – no, not HW, whatever. Yeah, I was 18. I was the first time I was old enough to vote. So I'm like, okay, I'll watch this, you know. And uh, I was going to use my power and uh, see 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 who was running, what was going on, and uh, and and. But this time, I have to say, like it it's sheerly it's been sheer entertainment value. I literally like we've popped popcorn, you know, we've kept Liberty up watching it, which probably is not a good thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it it's been the most entertaining television I think I've watched in years. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't. I, I will probably do a write in vote for Alan Keyes. His name is shorter, so it's easier because I got, yeah, I got the electrical to write, less letters. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah. Got to work on your cursive. Pretty sure I can spell Alan too. I mean, I'm not 100%. I think he's a 1L, well, not a 2L. Well, picture my pain. I mean, I, I lived in Wales. Alan could be A L Y N, could be A L A N, could be A L U N. I mean, these are all Celtic and, and British spellings of Alan. Then you've got the A L L E N, you know. Um, this struggle's real, Pete. <laughs> so let's talk about sanctification now. All right. So sanctification in the church planter. You know, could it be, guys? You know, we all we often think that the church planter is uh you know, he he's like the the commando. And I surely believe that. I believe church planters are God's frontline force, his uh, you know, splinter cell, his his commando unit. I believe that uh, church planning is the hope for the world, or I would not be giving a good chunk of my life to it. Um, I believe that that church planters are unique and special, but there's always that question of calling. Like, in other words, why me? Like, I know we ask the question, like, why this city? And normally when we church plan, it's kind of, you know, like if I if I send you a newsletter telling you I'm going to go to, let's say, Nashville. I'll tell you why Nashville's a bigger crap hole than you thought it was, right? That's that's the thing. And then I go, and now God's called me to go there. But why me? 
right? God could call any Tom, Dick, or Harry. Wow. Wow. That that was a conductor who hates you personally. He was like, <laughs> "Wait till I'm at his window, then lay on the horn." Have you not? Have you not figured out the pattern yet? This is a this is a conductor who obviously listens to the podcast <laughs> and knows <laughs> that he is going to be. He knows when we record. Maybe you should and turn that red hi. light. He just wants to hear himself on the podcast. Maybe you should turn that red light outside your door that says "on air off" when you're recording. <laughs> Yeah, and, and as you know, the door outside of my uh, converted garage, um, the former it, – it's funny. In my house, I have literally like a three-car garage. A guy who who owned my house, um, this place was built in the 50s, he had uh, – he was a mechanic. So I'm in what used to be the garage. This ended up becoming his engine room, so he built all these shelves and cupboards in it. But uh, he added on a two-car garage. That's how crazy that guy was for cars. So I'm sitting in a converted engine room. That's kind of cool. I just wanted to say that. I think so. America. America. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so anyways, not just why this city, but why you like why the city is easier. But I often think that the church planning, and this goes back to a blog. I just did a blog called the long defeat. Um, those of you that are thrice fans will know that, that that's a, a thrice song title, but it, it's called the long defeat because what I bring out of that is the process of sanctification that happens in the planner. Maybe, and c- could it be that the reason that God has called you to plant is because rather than your city being the problem, pro- uh, problem child or, or, or the, the difficult project, maybe it's you, maybe you're the, the, the problem child, maybe. You're planting not for your city's good. Maybe God's called you for your own good. And I have certainly felt this that in ministry, that uh, in ministry, although people talk about, you know, ministry can pull you farther from God and blah, blah, blah. It's been the opposite for me. Ministry keeps me close to him because I'm usually scared out of my mind the whole time. Um, and I find this with most faith ventures. Um the more frontline you go, as I say, the more the Holy Spirit turns up because the more you need him. Well, I find that ministry is normally a series of events that take me out of my death, at least if you're doing it right. It needs to be something that involves faith. And because ministry should always be taking you out of your depth, you always need to be drawing close to the Lord. I think where guys get in trouble is kind of like where it says that David— uh, in the in the season where uh, the kings went to war, um, David stayed at home. I think when you stop going out and doing battle with the enemy, when you stop hitting the front lines, then you get into trouble because you don't need God anymore. David's awesome psalms came out of the battlefield or when he was under the gun. And then David was able just to cry out to the Lord. Spurgeon used to say that that David was like an olive, that the more that you crushed him or squeezed him, the more of the oil of the Holy Spirit dripped out of him, or the more you crushed him like a rose, the more the fragrance, uh, the floral fragrance of, of the Holy Spirit came out, the bouquet of Christ, the aroma of Christ came out of him. And, uh, and I think that ministry and church planning in particular is a crucible for the church planner's heart. It definitely has been for mine. And I felt sometimes that God 
perhaps called me to plant because I needed that. I needed to plant more than my city needed me to plant in it. In other words, I needed that city and that mission more than that city and mission needed me. Mic drop. <laughs> You're just sitting there. I'm listening. <clears throat> I'm listening. He's lump. He's lump. He's lump. And he might be dead. That's President of the United States of America. Very fitting for today's podcast. Pretty much. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's definitely something that, that you know, as I, as I look at it, um, church planning can be, in ministry can be, but particularly church planning can be a very lonely, very sanctifying walk. Because as we've talked about before, Pete, it's like you got your motives. Your motives are always betrayers, right? Your motives are never completely clean. They're never completely uh, pure. And I think when, for example, like you you want a church plant and you still kind of picture that what's going to happen is you're going to, I think every church planner has this. It's probably the same in, in, in business, right? It's kind of like uh, uh, Michael Keaton's Batman film with the Joker, Jack Nicholson. Wait till they get a load of me. You know, you, you think, you know, I'm going to preach and people are going to swoon and people are going to like fall down at the feet of Jesus and they're going to be crying because of my exposition of the Bible and it, and, and, and you just think that you're going to be the answer to all the lost people's problems around you. And you're going to be this like harbinger of, you know, gospel truth. And, um, and, and then that Sunday rolls around and hardly anybody's there. And, you know, your, your church plan can be a, a series of just unpacking broken dreams, you know, uh, disappointments where things don't go the way that you expected them to or wanted them to. I find that, uh, that thought interesting to say the least, you know, um, not having had the desire to plant a church. It's it, it, in some ways it's kind of foreign to me. Like, I don't understand why anyone would want to plant a church. (laughs) Yeah. Amen. Amen. But I mean, but that's because I'm wired differently, right? Like I'm wired so that the things that, that I really enjoy doing are measurable, um, usually financially, right? You know, like when I'm doing, I don't know, consulting or selling something, I can measure my results financially. And I think it's because I look at the church and I go, that can't be why you're doing a church, right? No, it can't be not. financial. If you're looking at it like, hey, I'm going to get a, a a job now, right? No, no one would hire me for the church or all I could get was this youth pastor gig and, you know, I want to do something more. So I just got to go out there and start my own. It's like, to me, I look at that and I go, okay, well, you got, like, you're trying to make money off of the church. Yeah. And yeah, that's the that's the worst reason. In fact, um, when New Breed, we would throw conferences back in the day, and I, that's the first thing we would say. If you're here today because you want a church and no one will give you one, just go home. We literally kick people out in the first time. Just go home. You don't belong here, 
right? Because the whole idea that I'm going to plant a church, you know, so I can have a church is the worst reason to ever plant a church. But if you're if if you have in your mind, kind of like what Paul said, right? Talked about the motives. If your motive is, you know, like Paul said, you open up Paul and you say, "What what made that dude tick?" He opens up his heart in, uh, I believe, it's Second Corinthians, and he says, "For the love of Christ compels us." That's Christ's love for people. He says, that's what's driving me on. Used to be his hatred and anger for people and what he mistakenly thought was zeal for the Lord. He says, I had zeal for the traditions of the fathers, but he'll never call that zeal for God again because he realized that in order to truly love God, you have to love people. And he says that love, and I, I don't think Paul naturally loved people. I think Paul in himself defaulted to hating people that's definitely where i fall i mean that's definitely my thing you know i i don't i don't like people you know i don't give a rip about people and yet i walk in this weird quandary this conundrum of i naturally in the natural man don't care about people like cain i say am i my brother's keeper but then i'll be driving around and like paul says i don't see anyone supernaturally natural peyton doesn't love supernatural peyton with the spirit in me, the love of Christ compels me. The spirit in us, Paul says, it's like makes us an ambassador pleading with men, be reconciled to God. It's not coming from us. And so calling is what we're really talking about. When you feel called to plant a church, it has to be the love of Christ compelling you. Anything else is going to let you down. And so the way that you measure that is through people, you know, people knowing his love. And and that has to be what takes you there. So like you've been to Refuge in Long Beach. And when I just went to the five-year anniversary, it was like looking at a wall of trophies, you know, of all these people that didn't know that God loved them a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, and are now up there telling others how much God loves them. You know, not them, but but the people that are new. Right. And that's an ongoing pattern where, you know, people are just discovering God's love. And that's the only reason to do it. So what was really cool was for me, because I plant and leave, it's pure. I'm not building something for myself. Now, if you want to talk about why would someone church plant, shoot, man, imagine walking away from something that you spent, <laughs> you got the blood, sweat, and tears, and then you leave it. That's what Paul did. Paul got nothing out of the deal except that people came to know the love of God like he did. And when I went back to refuge, here I go back to this church, and um, it's like I don't run it. I don't, you know, I, I don't make money off it anymore. I mean, I, you know, because after Pete left, the finances went, no, I'm teasing. I just told him, <laughs> hey, forget that program where I move on. You know, the Lord's looking after my needs. Um, in fact, when I took the NAM job, I... I started folding that down. But the deal is, is that um, I was able just to go back almost disconnected and just see all the fruit. And I got to be honest with you. There's a movie years ago with Richard Dreyfus, where it's called Mr. Holland's Opus. Remember that movie? Yep. And and at the end of that, can I spoil the end? Spoiler alert. Can I, I do that. I don't even remember it. I mean, Good. I know the movie. Okay, well, let me spoil the ending for you and our entire list. I just remember audience. his son was deaf, and so he didn't have a great relationship with his son. 
Yeah, and that's so true to life, man. That's my uh, that's my uncle, because didn't he? He didn't learn sign language, right? I don't was know. Kind of- I just remember he was like, "You can't appreciate this because you can't hear," or something like that. And like he, yeah. I remember there was a scene where he was totally distraught because John Lennon had been shot, and he was like, "You don't understand," because you never yeah. heard his music. It was it was a really good. I have to say that was probably one of the coolest movies. Um, and, one of and, Richard Dreyfus. You're a sea turtle. I'm a sea turtle. I'm but a Pacific let me just Rim. Bring this full circle. I'm a Pacific Rim. I'm a shark. <laughs> yes, but let me bring this full circle. You see, this is one of Richard Dreyfus's greatest performances since Jaws. See, I tied the shark in there right there. Go. The great white. Like what you, you like did the, there. See what I did. That I, was for I you, like baby. You did. I love you, Pete. And I would appreciate it if you never said that again. <laughs> and I so here's the deal. The, uh, the, 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 the thing is, is that all throughout this movie, it's following this guy. It's just normal life. It's, he has problems. He has things. He has temptations. You know, he, he has places where he almost completely screws his life up. He makes wrong moves and he's trying to like make this it's been his life's ambition to make this, uh, this musical, this, this production, this masterpiece. He's studied music. He's teaching music. He's, he's a great man. He's a musical genius. And at the end, though, he kind of realizes when they do this award that, the, that his masterpiece was the people he impacted. It wasn't actually the piece of music because he never really – it's almost like a George Bailey, if I remember correctly – he doesn't because of all of his distractions, all these other things that he ends up doing. I, if, if, if memory serves me correctly in the movie, he never gets to write his masterpiece, but when he retires from teaching music, that his masterpiece is all the people that he invested and poured into and stand up and, and talk about what an impact It is powerful film and, and true to life. And I think very pertinent to church plants that, you may never have this great, huge church. Um, I mean, the average size church is 52 people. Um, uh, 90% of the churches in America are, are uh, less than 200 people. Um, you, you may never have a big, and, and yet we celebrate. Like I've watched this happen time after time after time where we celebrate the 10%. We only celebrate the 10%. But God doesn't measure success that way. He really does not. He measures success in, just like that movie, in the people in your life, the people that you impacted for Jesus, the, the, the people that stand up in eternity and say, I am in heaven because of him. God used him, or I led other people to Jesus because of his impact on my life. You know, I mean, the, you know, or I knew Jesus more. I glorified God more in life, my life because of this person's impact. That's where it's at. Know what I mean? I feel you, Doug. <laughs> you can't just say that. <laughs> Pete, I pay you to talk on here, man. Come on. Um, <laughs> you can't just sit there and look beautiful. All I can say is, well done, America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's so cool because I so badly want to steal from a podcast I just did um, where the guy makes some amazing points. If you get a chance, pick up his book. It's J.R. Briggs' Fail. And uh, 
we're gonna we're gonna we gotta show that. I was just gonna do it for the magazine. But we gotta do it for hardcore. It's so good. It was one of the best. Do it for the conference. Was that? Do it for the conference. Oh, oh! Now there's a thought. Oh. So, if, if you're thinking I have anything to contribute to this conversation, I don't. Just gonna throw that out there. Yeah. Well, it's cool because this is. If you go to PeytonJones.ninja, that's my blog site, and I it, like I said, it's called the Long Defeat. And and one of the things I really want to get at to share here before we um, get off is is. You have to look at your church plan as a walk with Jesus. Everything in your life is really a walk with Jesus. Um, but I, I liken church planning to kind of walking down the beach with Jesus. You know, there's that kind of breaking uh, that Peter went through. And after the breaking process, he walks with Jesus. You know, they just go for a solitary beach and uh, beach walk. And I remember... I think I point this out in my book. I don't know if I cut it out or not, but the next book, um, cha-ching, Reaching the Unreach, the, I talk about the fact that there's a meeting that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians where he talks about the order of how Jesus appeared to everybody. He says, you know, first to the women, then, you know, to Mary, then to, you know. But he he mentions that he appears to Peter as like, I think it's the third appearance and the scripture never talks about that meeting, right? Everything, that walk on the beach, all of that is is later. And so people often mistakenly think that that walk down the beach is uh, Peter's you know, restoration by Jesus, but it's not. There is a meeting that takes place, according to Paul, that we're never told what was said in that meeting. And I always like to think that that meeting is Jesus and Peter just chatting and Jesus is, is just looking after his heart. You know, he's, he's just talking about, hey, you know, we're okay. I love you. I forgive you. Um, and then, but the one that we have recorded in John is, it, it's about Jesus putting Peter back into ministry. Right, he doesn't give him like six months off. He doesn't tell him take a break for a year. Um, you're in the penalty box or tusaikula. You know, he doesn't do any of that to him. He, he just, he just says he gets to the heart of his motives, and he says, "Do you love me?" And Peter goes, "Yeah, I love you, Lord." And he goes, "Peter, you know, feed my sheep." And he's he's telling him what he wants him to do, but he keeps getting back to, it. "Do you love me?" And, and I just find that so powerful that Jesus, before he puts him back into ministry, just talks to him about the motive. Like, why are you doing this? You know, is this to prove that you really were tougher than the rest? Are you like, there were so many reasons that Jesus, that Peter probably followed Jesus and wanted to, to be in the ministry that had nothing to do with what Jesus wanted Peter to be in the ministry for. Hmm. And at the end, what I love is in the third time Jesus asks him, it says that Peter gets hurt. And 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 over the years, looking back on on my ministry, um, there are just times where I've been deeply, deeply hurt and wounded. And I make the point in this blog that, um, you know, for for us, you know, for Peter, it, it took this this conversation. And everything that happened before, but it's one conversation where Jesus questions him about his motives. 
But for us, this conversation with Jesus can last for years. And a lot of the hardship that we go through in church playing, a lot of the blood, sweat, and tears is we're not hearing Jesus asking us these very searching, soul-searching questions, which is, what do you really want? Like, why are you doing this? You know, kind of getting back to your question, Pete, we were like, I don't know why anybody would want to plant a church. Well, I think Jesus wants us to know that. And I don't think we always are honest with the reason about why. And I, you know, I, I, I make this statement in the, in the thing that, um, you know, we see, you know, Jesus is like, do you want to, uh, make a name for yourself or do you want to lift up my name? We're like, Oh Jesus, I, t- I totally, you know, I totally want to lift up your name and stuff, you know, like, but, but deep down inside, we can't wait till they quote us like Keller. You know, we're Spurgeon. Yeah. We want to be the next dude, you know, yeah. that everyone talks about. The next flavor of the month. But uh, but, but often like Peter, where it says the third time he asked him, it hurt. I think, I think there's this woundedness that comes with this being hurt that, that we often have to get hurt before we really come clean and are honest about our motives and finally surrender. Because Peter goes, Lord... You, you know all things. You, you know I love you. You know, and it's like, he, but he finally surrenders. There's like this, you know all things. I, I can't, you know, you know everything about my motives. You know everything about my heart. You know my weaknesses. And I think when we get to that point where we're honest about our motives and Jesus has exposed them, and we finally bring them into the light and say, Jesus, yeah, you know all things. You know, I, there's times I'm not doing this for the right reason, but... Lord, I do love you too, you know, like I, th- I think Jesus can work with that, but I, I think he needs to get us to that point sometimes to just, and, and I make the point that it's the long defeat. It's the, the, the long process of surrender. It's this, this year long walk down a beach, maybe multiple years. And then I say, it's the slow crucifixion because it's like, we're slowly having our flesh crucified on the cross of church planning, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, you know, part of what this sounds to me, like it, it keeps coming back to your motives. And, um, and like I said, I mean, I, that's just not my motive. Like if I were called into uh, ministry of some sort, which, you know, let's, let's pray that that never happens. <laughs> But it's kind of like I the way that I look at it is I I realize how jacked up I am as a person. Like I, there's I, I've said this before on the podcast. I know when I'm sinning. Like it's not like oh I didn't realize that was a sin. I know when I'm <laughs> sinning. It's there's it locker room talk, Pete. That's all it was. <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> but my my point is is like. I would have to look at that. And I know too, like I love public speaking, right? So uh, here in the month of October, I've, I've uh, been to Omaha, St. Louis, Pennsylvania, Maryland, public speaking uh, Monday, going to Nashville uh, next week, going to Utah. I love that. I love being in front of the group. Right. And yet ironically um, my ego is not so in it that, <laughs> that if they could make all the money without me having to go, 
like if my partner on it could could make a, I would be like, dude, go for it. I don't I don't yeah. need the limelight, right? I, yeah. But that's because I like the money, right? And yeah. that's and I'm not saying that as like, oh, that's a holy thing. I'm just saying that's when I'm in business, that's what I'm after, right? right. I, I need to you know pay the bills and whatnot, and so you need money for that. Um, and for me, that would be the catch twenty two in church planning is I do like the fame. But I think for me, I think I could keep it under control enough because if I were church planning, I'd be like, yeah, you know, I, I love being in front of people. I love everyone looking up to me. I love them coming up to me with questions. However, the goal of that is for people to know Jesus. And I think I could pull myself out of that and yeah. go, all right, but that's the goal. You know, what does it take yeah. to, to reach people um, with God? And, uh, but I mean, I think. That just comes from years, too, of knowing myself and knowing what my strengths are and what my pitfalls could be, because uh, I could get all into the whole image of it, and I could see how people could do that, right? I could see how that would be the driving factor, and I think it's because I'm so jacked up as a person that I realize I have to have God. Like, I I need Jesus. Um, I was just listening to um, Dave Ferguson and... Uh, uh, John Ferguson's book, Finding Your Way Back to God. Mm. And I got the iPhone 7 and it re-downloaded on my Audible and it said I hadn't finished it. And I couldn't remember if I had or not, so I picked it up You know where I was at. And uh, and it talks about, you know the guy's name. I think his name is Charlie something or other. He was partnered with Billy Graham back in the day and then yeah. um, you know, became an atheist and stuff like that. And at the end of his life, he was being interviewed and, and someone asked him something, you know, who was the most... Uh, you know, person that you learned from the most historically. And he was like, it's Jesus. I mean, everything that Jesus stood for was the best. And at the very end of it, he goes, and you know, I really miss him. And he had like a, a tear run down his, his cheek. Yeah. And, um, and I think for me, I feel like that guy more than anything else. Not that I'm an atheist, obviously I'm not, but that there's that for me, there's that, you know, I miss Jesus and, and I don't feel like I'm the answer guy. Like when I'm in marketing, I feel like anyone could come to me with any question about retirement planning or marketing, the two things I know, and I could answer it. But when it comes to the whole Jesus thing, I'm like, you know, I don't I don't have that arrogance level of of like I do in the other areas. Like I'm totally arrogant when it comes yeah. to marketing. Yeah. You uh, and I think every I think every person that God has used I mean, Jesus tells, including Peter, like, like feels like what you're saying, that weakness, you know, that's what Jesus is, is trying to get Peter to understand is you're weak, but you love me, right? You love me. I can use you. If you love me and you do this because you love me, I can use you. And, and, and so that's his restoration and ministry. But we know Peter was still weak. We know that that didn't change him forever and make right. him into a giant. Years later, Paul says, hey, you know, I, I, I went and saw Peter and some, some brothers came up from Jerusalem. And uh, Peter was, was being a hypocrite because here he was. He got off track again and he's trying to please people instead of pleasing the Lord. And I had to confront him to his face. Like, we're not ever completely out of the woods. And I, I would say that even then, you know, Peter, it, it sounds from Paul's context like Peter receives it. You know, um, 
or I don't think Paul would have shared it. You know, I don't yeah. think he would have stabbed Peter in the back. I think he right. used it as a teaching point in Galatians because they needed to hear that. Look, even Peter fell into this, but Peter repented. You know, um, I think that that you know, not whenever you get to the point in ministry where you feel like you're the answer man and you got all the answers and you got it all figured out, you're in trouble. And that's kind of why I think even with church planning, you know, it, it's why from the very beginning of this church plant, we fill a lot of time. I mean, this is episode 201. We've talked a lot, but I think the underlying theme is we always say nobody is an expert in this because again, you're walking down the beach with Jesus and as long as you keep walking, like you said, where you go, you know, I feel like the guy who I miss Jesus. I I just need him. I don't I don't feel like the expert that's hey, I got Jesus on tap, baby. You know, I think when you start feeling like that, there's a problem. Yeah. And and that is very much what we see, like you said, in all areas of expertise. You can be an expert in everything else. You can't be an expert in Jesus. You can't be an expert in the Holy Spirit. You will have an eternity. Theologians tell us, um, the scripture tells us that we'll have all eternity to be overawed and overwhelmed by his glory. So you don't get to be an expert. And and as a side note, before we taper this off, um, we've talked about this before, but I think that's why God asked the man to lead his family. I believe that because of the way that God has wired men, where we're like, yeah, whatnot, baby. You know, we're 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 cool. We're we're the experts. We're you know, we talk like we've got authority. That's what dudes do, right? We like to master things. Um, when it comes to leading our family, all of a sudden we're like out of our depth. It's the one place in life we don't get to be the boss. We don't get to be the man, right? We become like little children. Let let's family. Let's go into the presence of the Lord, babe. Let's go talk to Jesus and this. I believe the reason it's hard for men, even though they're called to lead their families, is because of that dynamic where God goes, you don't you don't get to be the stud now in front of your wife. You don't you don't get to be Big John stud. You you now get to be a fellow child of God taking another child of God's hand and meekly and humbly and gently approaching my throne. But you lead her there. You lead your children there. And I believe it's exactly that dynamic that you brought up, that we are those who are desperately needy of God in our life. And that's why we're called to it. Interesting. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. Hey, that's a deep one. We went deep on this one. Have you noticed, though, that like in your churches and stuff, that sometimes it's hard to take care of payroll and, and uh, insurance? and You know, Pete, when IRS it comes compliance. to that, I am not the man. What? America. We can't ever get through a commercial. We're the worst commercial givers ever. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, um, what have you been able to do for your church to help alleviate all that and make sure that the IRS doesn't send you to the clink? I call them simplifychurch.com because you know what? Simplify Church is the man. <laughs> Wait, what was that? Simplify Church, 
Tax-Compliant-Accountingsystem.com will simplify all of your accounting needs. They'll keep you compliant with the IRS. They'll do your bookkeeping for you. They'll even submit your tax reports for you to the IRS to make sure you are IRS compliant. I like it. Yeah, baby. Head on over to SimplifiedChurch.com. Well, guys, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell. It's been really nice having you. (laughs) Thanks for coming. We'll see you again next week, same time. Are you going to give him the sign out? I I am, but I just, I like this sultry thing we got going on today. <laughs> it's it's kind of creepy. <laughs> Don't do the uh, tagline with the sultry voice. I was going to. Because it kind of almost sounds kind of bad, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. If you want to reach. Should we just cut the, the sultry thing out all they'd reaching. like to? That's. Wait, what? If you want to reach the one. No, 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 no. California, California, stay away from here. <laughs> Don't go there. I didn't think of it like that until you said it. Now we got to go back and cut it all out. We're not cutting anything out. I figured, so stop it now, Mitchell. Okay. Behave. Okay. Well, guys, this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. I'm a Methodist. We believe that the Lord is our Savior, and we remember him by going to church and praising him every Sunday. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. We believe all the same things that you believe, but we go to church on Saturdays. What? Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music